Welcome to the Don't Sweat the Small Stuff, Live the Big Stuff podcast with New York Times bestselling author, Christine Carlson. Chris shares don't sweat wisdom to help you achieve greater mental health, self-compassion, and better communication with family, friends, and coworkers. Listen in and learn simple ways to live your most vibrant life of joy. Hi, and welcome back to the Don't Sweat the Small Stuff, Live the Big Stuff podcast. This is Christine Carlson. We have a wonderful interview for you today, but before I begin, let's go ahead and take a golden pause. Wherever you are, sit comfortably and just place your palms open on your lap. And of course, if you're doing something, just pay attention to whatever it is you're doing. Use this as a deep breathing exercise to get really present and super engaged in whatever it is you're doing. All right, so let's begin. Go ahead and take some deep breaths in with me, just breathing in through your nose, allowing your chest and your belly to fully expand, expand, taking in the fullness of your breath. And exhaling, releasing, and letting go. And breathing in pure golden sunlight to the top of your head, to the tips of your fingers and your toes. Exhaling, releasing, and relaxing. And breathing in pure golden sunlight to every cell of your being. On the exhale, just go ahead and relax and let go. Let go a little bit more. And breathing in pure golden sunlight to the top of your head, to the tips of your fingers and your toes. On the exhale, just release and let go of what doesn't serve you. And breathing in pure golden sunlight through your core, through your heart, through your mind. On the exhale, just allow yourself to release, relax, receive. This time, as you breathe in pure golden sunlight to every cell of your being, place your hand on your heart, activating your heart, and spend a moment thinking of one thing you feel grateful for. And as you breathe in that golden gratitude, filling your heart, filling your whole body with pure golden gratitude, on the exhale, just release any fear you feel. And breathing in pure golden gratitude to the top of your head, to the tips of your fingers and your toes, on the exhale, just release, relax, and let go. Breathing in pure golden gratitude to every cell of your being. On the exhale, allow that gratitude to wash over you like a cascading waterfall of pure joy. Breathing in pure golden gratitude again to every cell of your being. Allow it to wash over you again like a cascading waterfall of pure joy. Taking a last deep breath in of pure golden gratitude, go ahead and open your eyes. Well, today we are going to have a conversation with Ken Bechtel. In his best-selling book, Follow Your Yes, he provides simple guidance on how to build confidence and eliminate overwhelm so you can live your truth. Ken is here to share with you the wisdom gained from more than 20 years as a spiritual guide and teacher about what it takes to make room for you to thrive in this busy world. Be sure to go to the show notes and find a link to his latest book, Follow Your Yes, and also his website. 
Hey, Ken, welcome so much to Don't Sweat the Small Stuff, Live the Big Stuff podcast. Great to be here, Chris. Yeah. Wow. I'm so excited to talk with Ken today because after really taking a look at um, his book, Follow Your Yes, and he is so in alignment with so much of what I believe to be true and how to really inspire you to live a truly happy, bliss-filled life. I just noticed the pub date on this is July of 20, is it June of 22? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So was this a COVID written book? Not intentionally, but it certainly happened then. Yeah. I mean, I imagine like this kind of advice. I, I noticed that during COVID, I was actually really surprised that my joy rose. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, this is really weird, but I'm like, and I'm like in a little bit of bliss during this whole COVID thing. And I think it's because I was so relieved at getting out of the busyness of my mm. life for, and I, I had this nice permission to have this perpetual break yeah. and I really loved it. And I, you know, and so I think that, um, what I've noticed from your bio and stuff is that you must feel that people really get lost in the busyness of their life. Is that true? Yeah. And you know, it's interesting that you said that for you, it was a relief and kind of like, wow, this is great. What I found is that the, the, the reason that was your experience was because your busyness is used for different reasons than other people's. So a lot of people were stressed out, right? Because they didn't have the business because they use the busyness as distraction. And so when that yeah. went away and they had to face whatever they'd been avoiding, this was not fun. Get me out of the house. I don't want to be around the kids, whatever it was, right? But if you're using that busyness as actually an expression of who you are, well, then it's like, oh, that's cool. We can take a little pause and recharge. But I'm not afraid of the busyness. And the busyness isn't like just a, a coping mechanism, which for a lot of folks, it's like, hey, wait, I don't, now I got to kind of sit here with me. Well, that's a really like good that so point. Much. That's a really, really good point. You know, that, that when you've really maybe... I don't like to say done the work, but I, I think it is. It's like there's this amount of personal awareness that comes through years of really honoring your personal growth and realizing that you're always a student. And, and there's this relationship that we develop with ourselves, right? Like mm -hmm. that is, can be very, um, it can either be profoundly empty or can be profoundly full. Yeah. And um, I think that for me, you were right. Like I was, I, I doing retreats and you know, speaking and doing so much promoting all that stuff that when I, um, I was still doing a lot of that, like at mm -hmm. home, but I didn't have all the other stuff. Like I wasn't trying to keep up with my social life. I wasn't yeah. trying to, and it was just such a, just a nice relief to just say, wow, it was like, almost like I could honor what was really important to me versus the things like you're saying that I was just doing because I thought I was supposed to do them, you yeah. know? Yeah. So that's, that's really beautiful. When you work with people, which I'm sure do you do coaching? Is that what yeah. you, mm -hmm. yeah. So when you work with somebody, I'm curious about if somebody comes in and they, they know that they have a more opposition to life. Like they know that they're more of a no person mm -hmm. than a yes person. Is that because they are afraid to say yes? Or is that because they 
don't know what their yes is. And how would you lead a person who is maybe in that space of life where they don't even know what their yes is? Yeah, and that's a great question because there's there's a couple of reasons, primary reasons that I've found. One is either you don't have permission, right? You're waiting for somebody else to say it's okay to be yourself. The other is you literally don't trust it. So you have your internal guidance, which is what I'm talking about when I'm saying you're yes, and then you doubt it. You want somebody else to confirm it for you. And if they do, great, but if they don't, you'll go with whatever they said because there's so much fear. And oftentimes people are saying, well, I, I thought I knew I could trust myself and that went sideways and so I don't trust myself anymore. And it's a big challenge because of course we don't wanna take ourselves into harm's way again if that's what the result was. But the challenge is learning how to really connect with your yes because our fears reside in our head. So we have these experiences and we've got all these fears based on that didn't go well, I didn't like that. I don't want this to happen. And then we get caught in our head going round and round and round going, oh, but that could turn to this, that could turn to that, that could turn to this. And we never actually are connected with our internal guidance, our yes, because that actually comes from your heart. You know, I know somebody like this and somebody I love very dearly. And, um, and I often think that the deepest fear is that um, if I say yes, I'm going to go in the wrong direction. And that I have to, that every yes that I say has to, I have to know that it's going to be the right decision. Yes. You know, that I, it's not going to lead me astray. I'm not going to go down a rabbit hole. I mean, this is what I say to people like that. I say, there is no wrong decision. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I say, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm a proponent of following the breadcrumbs of what really truly you feel excited about in the moment and so i'm like i i mean of course i have to adhere to schedule and i have to sure. meet my the demands of my life and the responsibilities and i can't just be you know here and fro and everywhere but on my when i don't know what i'm gonna do or i don't know what direction i'm gonna take mm -hmm. i only have one question i ask myself and that is what's the most fun <laughs> and what am I excited about? You know, and, and oftentimes I've worked with people in grief and they're so feel like they're dying inside, you know, because mm -hmm. they are in a way dying a death from the loss of their spouse or their child and their identity is definitely dying a death. And so I often say to them, look, you know, you don't, you don't have to make any plans for your future. You don't have to have a dream for what's five years from now. All you need to do is get to the next day. And really all you need to do is just ask yourself today to be present and to look for a breadcrumb of something to follow today. Yeah. Like, don't feel like it has to be some huge decision or huge thing. Just follow a breadcrumb because that's all you need right now. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, that's the thing is everybody, again, they think, oh, my yes is this big giant epiphany of I change my career or I move across the country or whatever. And yeah, sometimes those happen, but that's like one tenth of 1%. Life is all these little breadcrumbs, as you're calling them, right? It's this yes to that yes to this yes to that yes. And when you follow your yes, the first one, whatever that is right now in this moment, 
that's what leads you to your next one, which leads you to your next one. But you can't actually know what the next one is until you do this one. And that's the trick. As you were saying, people want to know, I know this is going to work out. That's your idea of what working out looks like. But the universe, the divine has a much bigger view, right? It sees the whole big picture. So it's like, oh, you actually have to stub your toe in order to appreciate wearing shoes. I oh, love that. Maybe then if I don't, I'll never wear shoes until I do something really bad. And I use that reference. Funny, I didn't even think about it. But when I was a little kid, I was running around our house where I grew up and I was chasing my brother and I ran out the screen door and apparently there's a little piece of metal on the screen door and it caught my foot and split it open. And Ouch. I can tell you, I appreciated shoes after that. <laughs> yeah, I imagine so. I imagine so. Yeah, so you must have that experience then that, um, I mean, I, I love the idea that the universe like will kind of lead us, you know, in, in, and when we're really in alignment with what is our, in our heart and what is in alignment for the highest good. Um, it's amazing things that happen, isn't it? Like that there's like, it's almost as if there's this excitement that the universe or the divine has that we're actually hitting the right direction. <laughs> and, and, it, and there's these synchronicities that happen and these, what we call miracles, mm -hmm. you know, are showing up like our doors opening, um, and things are flowing, we get in the flow. Yeah, talk about your experience of that a little bit. I, I love that conversation so much because I love the magic of life. And it's not really, it's not magic, but it feels like magic. It's like that, that like almost like the divine is, is conspiring on your behalf. Yeah, which it always is. Why wouldn't it be? You're an expression of the divine. Why would it be counter to you? And yet so many people think, you know, it's some big cosmic joke, the universe making fun of me, it's setting me up for failure. And that's only because we have our blinders on of it should look like this. And if it doesn't, then I'm whatever our story is, I'm a failure, I'm a loser, nobody loves me. So one of the things that you were talking about flow is, if you think about following your yes as one rung on the ladder, right? Well, you got to take the first one to get to the next one. So if you were crossing a stream and there was, you know, a bunch of rocks you had to kind of hop on, a lot of people will stand there and try and figure out, I want to know exactly what I'm going to do before I go. And then somebody else will walk up and just go boop, 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 and go across the stream. And they go, oh, they must have known where they were going to go. But I guarantee you they didn't because we've all done this. We thought we knew where we were going to go. We stepped on one stone and it instantly changed my perspective and revealed that the next one we were going to step on is not a good one. And one you had dismissed or maybe never even noticed is the next step. So when we just let ourselves go, all I need is that first step. Because that will reveal the next one and the next one. Each one of these is a solid step. But we have to let go of the idea that we know the entire path before we start. And that's the difference between, and, and I'm sure you hear this, people often say, well, I want to be confident this is going to work. I want to be confident this relationship will work, this job, career move, whatever it happens to be. But the thing about confidence is confidence is about the known. And if you haven't done it yet, you can't have confidence about it. You have to have the courage to take the action. Then once you've done that, you can have confidence, either it worked well or it didn't. 
but we want something that's not even available before we start, and then we never start. So that's where we trap ourselves. Again, the idea of, oh, somehow I'm protecting myself. The divine has got you. You're good. You don't, you don't need to protect yourself. Why would the universe hurt, to, hurt itself? So how do you build those faith muscles? How do you help people build those faith, faith muscles? You know, somebody who maybe hasn't had 20 years of experience and, and doesn't, hasn't had even the background prior to the 20 years mm -hmm. that brought you to that, you know, like I, I'm not, I, I understand um, that idea of this kind of natural faith in the universe and faith mm -hmm. in the divine. But it is awfully difficult, and I've often stumbled when I have to talk about how do you build faith. Mm -hmm. So the biggest step that I found for that is we have to pay attention to our feelings instead of forms. Because we're physical, right? We're looking at, oh, it's got to look like this. It's got to be you know this income in a job or that location where I live or whatever it is. But when we step out of that and actually tune into what's the feeling that I want to have? Well, that can take all kinds of forms, many that we've never even thought of before. But we have to step out of the form habit and trust the feelings. It was so funny because you were saying one of the things you ask yourself is what's the most fun? What's what would be exciting? Oh, look, those are two feelings. Not what does it look like? How much will it cost? Where is it located? Those are forms, but that's where we think we have control. Oh, I know where it's gonna be and that's what it's gotta be. And if it isn't, then it, it, it's not for me. And we cut ourselves off. I remember I was working with a woman uh, in New York City and she was, uh, we were working around relationships and, and she said she knew exactly what she wanted. The guy had to work in this area and live in this part of the city, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And she goes, you know, when I let go of that, because it just kept repeating that it wasn't working. <laughs> she kept meeting guys that matched all her criteria and they totally fell apart. But she was convinced that's what had to happen. And when she let go of that and just wanted to connect with how she felt, she met a guy who lived in Boston who didn't work in any field that she'd ever been in and they got married. And she's like, it had nothing to do with all those things I thought were the most important, the forms. It was literally connecting the, what do I want to feel? Which is the question I always ask people is, where are you now and where do you want to be? From a feeling perspective, oh, I'm sad, I'm disappointed, I'm heartbroken. Okay, cool, where do you want to be? I want to be confident, I want to be in love, I want to be whatever it is, great. What's the one step you can take right now to move in that direction? And then again, one yes to the next yes to the next yes. But that's, that's always your focus is the feeling. That's really beautiful. I mean, I oftentimes I, I realize that um, people who have gone through a huge change and transition, they may have felt like a very confident, you know, woman or man before they went through this huge change and transition. And then suddenly their confidence is shattered. I know mine was, there was a time where, I mean, I was always really confident and then my husband died and I, my whole confidence about life just shattered with him. Yeah. And, and it is a rebuilding process, almost like a reclaiming, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. And what you're doing is you're reconnecting with your, what I call your irresistible essence. Some people call it your soul, your core, whatever it is, but that's that connection you have with the divine. 
and going, oh, I don't really know where this is going to take me, but I trust it. It's funny, I, I ran across a quote when I was writing my book uh, for Michael Jackson. And he said, people will ask me, how do I write the music I write? And he goes, it's always there. You just have to step into the stream. And that's beautiful. For him, he could translate whatever that energy was into incredible music. But somebody else may have, they translate that into incredible food or being an amazing parent or whatever that happens to be a great accountant, right? It can be any of those things. But it's stepping into the flow because it's always there and you're going to take the part that resonates for you. I love that. You know, I remember back um, when I was in very deep grief and I remember thinking, knowing that my ego had really shattered a death. And, but the beautiful part of that was, I was like, wow, I'm, I feel like me. Like, I feel like really deeply me. And I remember noticing that that was the whole point, you know, that that I had never known what a wall I had put up around my heart and how I was living into that, into my roles, into my ego, because I thought of ego as sort of this really easy to identify thing, yeah. but it, mine was very sneaky and mine had hidden in all the goodness of my life. Mm -hmm. And so when a lot of my life, which was beautiful, shattered, I was very aware that I was sitting with myself in a very profound position, like that I, I was in my true essence. Mm -hmm. And I thought, wow, Richard, I'm so sorry. <laughs> because This is the woman you would have just been crazy, crazy, crazy about. He was crazy about me, but I knew that this was the woman that was more in attune to the way he actually really was in his life. Uh -huh. And so it was, it was very, a weird, you know, very interesting experience, but there was such a beautiful gift. It's one of the things that I really try so hard to um, share with people and with women, especially who've lost their husbands, because I feel like that is that if there's anything good that comes out of it, it is that, that you get to really be because that's what happens when we go through heartbreak, you know, it's our heart breaks, but it can break open mm -hmm. and there can be a deeper awakening. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And that's such a great example, right? Cause that's such a deep and powerful experience. And yet it actually helped you access the real you instead of what you thought you needed to be, to be lovable, to be the right partner to et cetera, et cetera. And so there were elements of you that were a part of that. But then when this got shattered, you went, oh, there was actually parts of me that would have been even more magical. And I wasn't letting it out because I didn't trust it. I didn't even know that it was there. I mean, I didn't even know I was living this way until that mm -hmm. happened. And then I was very aware of the difference, Yeah, the different. And then it goes back to that feeling. It goes back to really honoring what I was, <clears throat> excuse me, feeling and, and honoring those feelings and being very attuned, mm -hmm. very attuned to feeling. And what you're referencing, and it's such a great example, is so oftentimes we're waiting for the perfect moment, right? We're, we're living that deferred life where we're like, oh, well, when X, Y, and Z happens, then I'll reveal this aspect of me, whether it's subconsciously or consciously. And then when that paradigm gets burst, we go, why was I holding back? 
why, why did I not go with that? Because we thought we were in control. That's the illusion of control, right? One of my favorite jokes is, how do you make God laugh? <laughs> Tell him your plans. <laughs> like Joseph Campbell. <laughs> yeah. It's so funny, though, because I, I remember telling that to a friend of mine. And she goes, oh, my God, God must laugh a lot. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, no kidding. God does laugh at our plans for sure. I mean, one of the things I've realized, too, is that so much of my life has not been planned. And so much of the way I've lived my life has been given. It's almost like this I, it's almost like it's just there for me to do. And so I don't, oftentimes I'm like, I, I don't, I don't really, people used to ask me when I was younger, what's your five-year plan? And I'd be like, I don't know. I don't know what's going to happen in five years. And mm -hmm. there's been some real wisdom, natural wisdom in that, because what I realized is that the universe actually has a much more creative plan for me than I could possibly dream up. And my experience of life has shown me that, that I never would have ever thought I would write a book. Like if you had asked me when I was a little kid, I didn't know any authors. I mean, I, that wouldn't have even been in my repertoire of experience, you know, that I would, you know, have that dream of writing a book. And so, or even just what I, how I live my life. I mean, I, I'm like, it, it never could have, it would have just never, it was, too, it was too big for how I would have thought. It was much bigger than anything I would have aspired to. And so I realized that the universe as long as you are, um, you are willing, a willing instrument. I think that's how I define myself as a willing instrument. And if I can just get out of, get out of the way of that, you know, then, then things just naturally happen, um, mm -hmm. in a beautiful way. And I'm led, you know, that's the best way to describe it as being led to what's next, what's happening. Yeah. And I love that you say, follow your yes. Because that's exactly what I do is in, I have an inward yes or no. And it's very not, it's pretty black and white. Like I, I always say, well, if it's not a yes, it's probably a no. <laughs> yeah. And that's a hundred percent true. And it's actually one of the things I talk about in the book is how to eliminate maybes because we get stuck in these maybes, which is, we think we're actually doing something we're just avoiding. And, you know, your yes is your yes right now. doesn't mean that like I've had people go, well, it's a no right now, but it's going to be a yes. I'm like, well, then it's not a yes now. All we, we, all we can do is right now. This is where we create from. You can't create from the future. You can't create from the past. So what's available now? And it's so funny because people ask me like, well, how do you, how do you recognize that internal guidance? Right? Because I don't know if I have any connection with it. And I always reference this great quote that I heard from Michael Neal. And he says, the way you can tell that internal guidance from all the other voices is your internal guidance is the one that doesn't think you suck. <laughs> That's great. Which is so true because your internal guidance is your supporter. Something that says, oh, you're terrible at this, Chris, why did you do that? That's not your internal guidance. That's your ego. <laughs> That's your ego. Yeah. 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 The internal guidance is interesting because the real internal guidance, the higher self is much quieter. And I mean, isn't that the work? Like we have to learn what is ego? What is our, what is the voice of our ego? And what is the voice of really our attunement to the divine, which is our soul connection. And that is a much, much quieter voice. And I think that's like really 
the value of being a meditator or, you know, even walking in nature, spending time in nature, doing the things that really allow you to be quiet and maybe not always putting a headset in, you know, not always listening to podcasts, not always listening to music. I'm one that really enjoys just the quiet, you know, just really being quiet for that reason, because I mean, I'm like everyone else. I can just be so busy minded. Like my mind can just be, you know, and just, and, and take me away from what it, what it really feels like to be um, that instrument in alignment, you know? And I think that's the work, isn't it? Yeah. But again, it's, it, it's funny because I always struggle with that term of that's the work. It's actually the relaxation. Oh, that's true. <laughs> it's the releasing instead of going, I got to be in charge. I got to control this. I got to know what's next. I'm just going, ah, oh, I'm just going to be here. And you're coming about, you know, paying attention because sometimes that, that internal guidance is kind of a whisper. Well, this is one of the challenges we have because in our, in our physical realm and, and what we look at that way, we think bigger is better. Louder is more important. And so if something is subtle, we dismiss it. That's not important. If it was important, it would have yelled at me. But that's not true, right? Because we dismiss things. And the way I say it is there's no such thing as an inconsequential yes. But we like to go, well, I'm looking for the big ones. I'm looking to make big progress, et cetera, et cetera. And yet, again, it's all those little ones that add up to the big. But we get stargazing in all the big ones. And that's, you know, what we hear in the media and see everywhere. Not the simple stuff. That's boring. Yeah, but it's what makes up everything. It's like if you were building a house or building a a skyscraper, well, it's a whole bunch of little bitty bricks that make the whole building. But we just see the whole building and we dismiss the fact that all those little components are what made the building. So it's the same thing for us is going, there's just as much value. Because again, it could be that one little step that reveals the next big step. But if we don't pay attention to the little one, we can't get to the big one without trying to force it. And oh my gosh, how do I make this happen? And I must know how this goes. Just trust, take those little steps. Like Michael Jackson said, step into the flow. It'll reveal itself. That's beautiful. So tell me, Ken, did you, how did you stumble into this work? And 20 years ago, you must've been a young man. And what was your life like as a young man? I mean, what's like your backstory? Yeah, Usually no. I start there, but we just dove right in, but I don't want anybody to leave without hearing your backstory. <laughs> yeah. So I, I was pretty average American chasing the career thing, doing all that. And, you know, thought I was fine, thought things were good and, you know, seemed to be making progress in my life. And, uh, I actually moved to Boulder, Colorado, where I live now. And I didn't know. I I grew up in a Catholic household. I didn't know anything about spirituality and all that kind of stuff. And a friend introduced me to a spiritual center. And I didn't really know what they were doing there, but I was like, okay, whatever. We went a couple of times and I got a healing. I didn't even know what that was, but like the Osho center or something. No, I was actually at a place called psychic horizon center. Oh, okay. Um, And I had no idea. I was like, okay, I don't really know if anything happened there, but whatever. And I went a couple more times and somebody said, well, would you be interested in learning how to do this? And I said, well, I don't even know what this place is. And so she told me they had some classes coming up and I swear to you, this is exactly what I thought. She said, you would you be interested in taking this class to learn how to do energy healings? And the thought in my head was, it's probably more interesting than what's on TV. Sure. 
<laughs> and that's the thought process I went through to sign up for this. And it led to where I am now. So literally, that wasn't a big yes. It wasn't like, this is the place. This is my, my golden moment. It was just like, yeah, sure, why not? And I just trusted it. And it just kept flowing. And the funny part was people there would be like, how long have you been doing this? I'm like, I don't even know what this is. <laughs> they're like, well, you're really like, you've got all this back. And like, somehow you're very naturally gifted at this. I'm like, okay. Again, I, I didn't know. It just, to your point, it was fun. I enjoyed it. The people were cool. Okay, let's hang out here. And that's what really started this path of, um, and it's funny because follow your yes, I have no idea where that phrase came from, but it was there. And I realized that's actually the catalyst of how I work and how I've operated, et cetera. And so I went, oh, there's more to this. And then the book kind of example was I had all these little notes here and there, and I was no intention of ever writing a book. Actually, when I started to look down writing a book, it was going to be a totally different book. And then I took a break, kind of just paid attention to what was there and decided I was going to go on a little writing retreat at my friend's house and just focus on the book. And literally the book wrote itself in about six days. Oh my gosh, that's great. Because all these little pieces suddenly went click, 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 click. And then I'd find a big chunk of something I wrote five years ago I didn't even remember doing. And it's like, oh my gosh, that's exactly what fits here. And the whole thing, it was just a series of following my yes. That's amazing. What is it that you are up to now? Just um, since we're starting to wind up our time here, what are you up to? What, what are you doing with people? Are you doing group coaching? What, what's going on in your world? Yeah, so thank you for asking. I, I do one-on-one -on -one coaching as well as some online programs uh, to really help people, what I call be irresistible. And that's what your true essence is. So if you think about like a baby, right? Little bitty babies really don't have anything to offer. <laughs> you know, they're not a good communicator. They're not fun to talk to. They don't make a lot of, you know, they make a lot of messes, but they don't do a lot of things that it's like as an adult you would engage in, but we're drawn to them because we're born with this irresistible essence. And then over time, we get programmed. Oh, don't ever do that. Or your laugh's too loud. Or people won't like this. And we start to diminish and hide parts of our irresistible essence. So what I do is help people reconnect with that and follow that yes, that is the guidance that we're all getting to stay in tune with that irresistible essence, to bring that forward, to share those gifts that we're meant to do because we're all a divine expression. And it's not about how it looks trying to be somebody else. It's trying to just let yourself be yourself and trust, like you were saying, just trust that this will, it's good. I don't really know where it's going but I'm being gifted this. This is being handed to me. And the cool part is you can always tell if you're in alignment because alignment always feels energizing. Like if you were in alignment to lose weight, it wouldn't be a struggle. But if you're doing it because the world said you should or your friend lost weight, now you feel bad, et cetera, et cetera, it'll be a grind. You're doing the exact same thing. But when you're in alignment, it energizes. Even though there's effort involved, it doesn't feel, feel effortful. So that's what I help people with is tuning into who are they really at their core so that they can live that life of flow and following their yes and having that experience of being in that step-by-step -step attunement with the divine. 
That's beautiful. Well, good job on you. And, <laughs> and I've loved this conversation so much. Yeah. And along with everyone, I'm, I've, you know, um, remembering, you know, remind you reminded me of a few very important things. And, and I love that being in alignment with, um, your true essence, really your, your, and I love that it's irresistible. I think, I think about a lot of the, um, just my girlfriends, for example, that, you know, they're in their fifties and a lot of them are single and, you know, and they're, they're so, their lives are great because they're, they're really powerhouse women, but then mm -hmm. they're struggling to find that, um, love of their life mate. And I'm always like, don't struggle, you know, just, just be in your life and love your life, like mm -hmm. love everything about your life. And just, cause I always feel like, um, having a true love affair with your life is really the ultimate love affair. And then any, um, human that potentially comes into your path that wants to partake in that love affair with you is just icing on the cake, <laughs> you know, but if you're really magically in love with, you know, the life that you've created for yourself and it's a wonderful life, then the rest of it just, it'll take care of itself. And, and like you say, then you, you really, I think when you're in that space, you're, um, you're in al alignment with that irresistible part of yourself yeah. because you're actually really deeply engaged and you're not distracted and you're very present. So, and I can tell you're all those things. So what, <laughs> well, thank you. <laughs> what a, what a really wonderful conversation we've had today, Ken. Thank you Absolutely. so much. Thank you, Chris. You can all find him at kenbechtel.com or followyouryes.com. And again, um, we'll put his book, his wonderful book in the show notes and his website as well. And yeah, and just love that so much. Follow your yes. That's beautiful. Thank you. Thank you, Chris. Great to be here. All right, everyone, come back again. Don't sweat the small stuff. We are living the big stuff. This is Christine Carlson. Bye for now. Thanks for listening to the Don't Sweat the Small Stuff podcast with New York Times bestselling author Christine Carlson. You're invited to join Christine at one of her upcoming retreats in California, including her popular What Now Women's Retreat at Sea Ranch and her new Revive and Thrive Mental Health and Wellness Retreat at Mount Shasta. Get all of the retreat details today at christinecarlson.com.